0: G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode. On this week's episode, my next guest is a self-described Swiss army knife of the media world. She is an extremely talented individual with an incredible list of bona fides, which include but are not limited to. she is a journalist and has written for the likes of MTV Australia, Tone Deaf and the A.U. Review. She has an extremely versatile set of skills, as she has also worked in television, working in production for Netflix, Stan, Vivo and more. She has also produced and worked on big projects like MTV Crashes and The Invictus Games. She also produces podcasts in many genres. But perhaps she is most known for her love of music and live music reviews and interviews and also with a content creation on TikTok and I first became familiar with her work as a voiceover artist on the popular Australian comedic podcast Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast which if you cast your minds back I was a guest on many times over the last few years and I've also spoken to Matt and Alex individually so if you want a funny laugh go back and check out those episodes and my next guest also has her own series of interviews on YouTube and Instagram her show is known as the Tate Night Show and yes, she also, she also loves a pun like yours truly. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce the insanely talented Tate McGregor. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you doing, Mitch?
0: Good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, where do we find you at the moment in this crazy world?
1: I'm in Sydney in the inner west, just hanging out in my bedroom, you know, just uh, just doing a bit of work. Nothing oh, too crazy.
0: Oh, shit, yeah. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, in the cold, cold central west of New South Wales. I just moved here from Newcastle, so... Still getting used to it.
1: Yeah. How's the move going? How long have you been there?
0: Oh, a few months. It's cold. And being a bald man, it's not favorable. So. Oof.
1: (laughs) Got to get the beanie game on.
0: Oh, I do. My beanie game is strong, but I've struggled to find beanies that fit this ridiculous sized head. So you just rolled it.
1: Custom fit beanies. There's There's a good business.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, my people will talk to those people and we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> so I've asked John today, um, and in that insane introduction that you haven't heard yet, I, I did pretty well. <laughs> um, this podcast is about storytelling. And I figured we go through your entertainment career in like a timeline sort of sense, talk about the genesis and talk about some of the works you're doing today with like your TikTok and your, your late night show and on Instagram and sort of roll through along as that. But my listeners or some of the listeners out there may not be familiar with how I sort of come across your work. So if you cast your minds back, or gosh, six months or so. I've had Matt and Alex on this podcast and I was a guest on their show. Anyways, if you're a listener, you'll hear Tate's voice. At the start and the end of every podcast episode of this, just I thought you seem bubbly and seemed like an awesome personality, so I thought I'd, I'd ask you to come on. So thanks for your time. Thank
1: you, that's so lovely of you. Yeah, nice. what a what a great team to work with as well. Those boys are great.
0: Yeah, oh, it's a it's a laugh a minute, and just like Matt's tangents and Alex is like impromptu rhyming. He's honestly, a pun, he's a pun lord. <gasps> I try, but you know I got nothing. Yeah, um, I
1: pride myself in puns, but he's unparalleled. he's yeah unparalleled. Crazy.
0: Oh, that's a fellow pun lover. Then you'll like mm-hmm. this. Then you'll like this first section. So, this this podcast has two sections. It's about storytelling, but this first part I use it as a bit of an ice breaking tool, and like it's a good to always good to have a vent. So I was wondering, Tate, would you like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchy this week?
1: Absolutely, count me in. As long as you can have a bitch back, you know, I think we both need the space.
0: Oh, I'm ready to go. Always ready to have a bitch. <laughs> good. <laughs> so I always offer the guests to go first if they'd like to or, or I can to kick things off it's up to you
1: what's on my mind let me have a think I think the most immediate thing is that um I was meant to get a, a parcel delivered today and it said it was delivered so I went outside to my um letterbox and there was one of those slips where it's like you missed the delivery and I was like well that's impossible I was home and then they're like go pick it up at this post office but it's not the one that's closest to me it's like one that's a bit more of a trek. that just makes me so pissed off because one knock on the door harder if i'm if <laughs> i'm home. i did i refuse to believe they even knocked on the door in the first place but now i have to go out of my way to pick it up at a post office that's not like 10 meters away it's the one that's a bloody like multiple kilometer walk i mean i could just drive but you know i'm just like oh god damn it this is so annoying i was home uh <laughs> anyway australia post what are you doing and i think my local postman just wasn't doing their job right
0: maybe you just wanted to have an early smoke or something you <laughs> know
1: <Yeah>, probably probably i <laughs> probably good to get a few extra steps of my day i mean there's a glass half full to it but i really it was a um it was like a dress for a friend's wedding and I was really excited to try it on. And now I have to delay that. I really, really was excited. You know, when you kind of get a gift um, to yourself, when you get a delivery like that, that was today's hopes and dreams. And they've been thwarted for another 24 hours. So, oh, well, here's what it is.
0: Actually, I was going to bitch about something else, but you just reminded me of something the other night. Talk about hopes and dreams being shattered. Menu log you know it's you know it's like i've ordered i come home from a 12 hour shift and i was absolutely knackered i was yeah. like you know what i'm feeling some burgers and some and a fries so hopped on there and ordered a burger from a local place it tells me it's arrived i go outside I pick it up there's no fries the burger's incorrect <gasps> and i've got a receipt for stuff that wasn't in the bag and oh my gosh a, and it was just did,
1: did you dispute it
0: yeah i did I, they refunded me but at the time i was hungry i was tired mm. and sad
1: <laughs> yeah it's like one of those double-edged swords where you're just like okay great i guess i technically got a free meal out of this but it's also not the meal that you asked for so you're like i'm still sad about it even though i haven't spent any money on it you're like oh god damn
0: so <sighs> like i've entered a an online agreement with you absolute nut jobs i wanted burger <laughs> potatoes put inside of me very quickly but instead, all I got was a receipt, a half a half-eaten burger, and an absolute emotional betrayal. So I won't be going back to that place. Thank you guys. I won't shut yous out because you know I don't want to offend anyone. But hmm. yeah, I, I, maybe that's
1: menu log looking back through your order history, and they were like, oh, this man just orders the same things." You know what? We should spice it up. Give him something different and try to expand his. Palette of taste you know maybe that was let me like come on mitch you gotta try some new things in this world but just didn't hit
0: they're going oh he should expand his palate not his waistline that vanilla dickhead
1: (laughs) (laughs) hey eat whatever you bloody want no i'm not about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, and and once lucky i work in earthworks because i just keep digging myself into a hole dead set (laughs) <laughs> um, so to run out there and to Tate, I'm sorry. <laughs> No,
1: that was good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Joke of personality.
0: Oh, oh, dear. I'm on fire. So so this will be like the smoothest transition, probably as smooth as my bald head with craters everywhere. <laughs> 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 I always feel good about having You really, event.
1: This is good painting a picture of who you are through an oral format, you know?
0: Uh, People I'm the, can really picture I'm this through your jokes. Human epitome of a human toe ball. Five-foot disappointment. We're on fire. Oh. See, everyone's like, you're too. I Zach, and I was talking to Zach and Donald, on the Scrubs podcast, um, mm. they said you're very hard on yourself. I'm like, well, that's it's kind of a, a, Australians kind of are, and I sort of thought, well, I don't mean it in the context of wanting to offend myself because I use it for like to make people laugh, and it works most of the time. Mm. No, and, and they're like, well, okay, I I dig it. Human table it is, and uh,
1: yeah, but self-deprecating humor. Do you find that there is a part of you that has like, because isn't there that saying that every joke has a piece of truth in it? Like, do you find it ever messes with your mental health if you have that constant like? negative in a monologue i've been really working hard recently of just be like if i have negative thoughts be like no step out of it because it obviously translates into your real life self right like the subconscious into the conscious mind percent. Yeah. i'm intrigued like if self-deprecating humor is your bag do you still have like you know you still bloody rate right, yourself
0: you know, I do. I look in the mirror. It's reflection perfection every time. So <laughs> yeah, that's what
1: we like to hear. Good, good, well, good. It's
0: like, well, it's yeah. Well, I suffer from mental health. I'm sure with a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you know, as I say often, when when the subject comes up, guys, if you're out there, if you need help, feel free to to reach out or to a friend or to somewhere free like the Black Dog Institute or Lifeline or Beyond Blue or even in yeah. the inbox. I'll happily have a conversation with anyone. But yeah, like you yeah. raised a good point, and 100, percent yeah, it's a real thing, and I'm glad you actually brought it up. So.
1: Hey, anytime. I'm um, equally an advocate. Um, you should definitely pop some links in the show notes. It's yeah, for sure. Worthwhile. for sure. I
0: will I will do that. And we'll talk about like your socials and uh, some of the content you work on and I'll put those in there too. But I figured we'll get started and we'll talk about like your career in a sense. Mm-hmm. So first question I'd like to ask everyone is take yourself back to as young as you can remember. Uh, what was the first thing you were ever a fan of, whether it was music, TV show, book, whatever? What was the first one?
1: First thing I was ever a fan of. I can remember, like, I have one of those memories where I can remember really niche things from, like, primary school of my childhood. The first ever competition I won was through the X Factor Liftout in the Korea Mail um, for Nikki Webster. And at the time, I was obsessed with Nikki Webster. And I think you got, like, a prize pack of her makeup, a CD, and tickets to go watch her play. Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, Um, and that was like, I was beside myself, me and my sister um, were just like, yeah, that was the first thing I ever wanted. I was like, holy moly, Nikki Webster. Um, So I think she was possibly the first person I was obsessed about. I also had a big obsession with the live action Peter Pan. Movie. Oh, that's
0: um, a big cut. Jeremy, wow. Yeah, Jeremy <laughs>
1: Sumter. That was possibly my first crush. And I can remember there was this one stretch of time where I just had like recurring dreams of me and Jeremy Sumter just being best friends. And I had a sandpit in my childhood home and would just like play in the sandpit. Um, so that was another obsession. But I think my proper like first like puppy love, like deep obsession was naturally One Direction when I was 13, <laughs> 14. Like yeah. that is literally the, like... That obsession is the reason I have my career today. I swear yeah. to God. Um, yeah. So a lot of pop thing, culture. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, they have that one thing. <laughs> That's a good reference from you. Totally. Stop they it, kept me up all night. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well,
0: I do like a good pun. Actually, I, I cheated a bit. I went through your bio on your website. and, and Really? It, it pretty much tells that story verbatim. And correct me if I'm wrong, it says that you were one of the street team of 106.9. Was that Nova 106.9 at Newcastle by any chance?
1: No, that's Brisbane. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm a Brizzy kid. Yeah. Oh, cool. One at six point nine. Mm. They
0: have a they they're now well, they used to be NXFM and one on the same mm. frequency and I grew up listening to Steve and Kim, but I'll throw that reference out the window and moving on, not a problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that reference means nothing to me.
0: <laughs> and we're back. Another news So And also going through your profile, and if anyone is a listener or knows of your work, you know, they would know that you're extremely prolific and your list of bona fides is quite impressive actually. So some of the uh, achievements are included, but but not limited to certainly, so you're a journalist. Obviously, you're a voiceover artist, as mentioned. You're a presenter. You're a producer. And uh, I quote from the website, you're a Swiss army knife of the media world and you have an absolute love of music and artists that are in the the industry. I've been lucky enough to interview some of my favourite musicians as well. But um, I wanted to ask you, firstly... What was it like writing for the likes of MTV and the AGU project and more? Like your time in journalism and how was how did you find that whilst you were doing Yeah, that?
1: great question. Journalism's a tough game, but it's enjoyable once you can crack it. Um, so I studied journalism at university, and I was, like, I was such a crap uni student—not in sense of grades, but that. I just never showed up. I would schedule all of my tutorials into one afternoon. So that way I could go out and freelance and work and kind of build up the portfolio while I was studying. And that's something I would definitely recommend to anyone who's in the creative industries is that like, if while you're studying, make sure you're doing those side hustles. Like at the end of the day, you just want the piece of paper to show that you can finish something, but like it's building those contacts and those networks. That's far more important for when you graduate so that you can graduate, like hitting the ground running and you'll be like years ahead of your graduating cohort Um, so my final semester at uni was um, an elective and i decided to do an internship and at that time i just moved to sydney i was studying at qt in brisbane but i'd moved to sydney to work in television production for like a netflix show and we would just wrapped and i was like all right sweet i'm in sydney i might as well stick around here i want to write for mtv um, and i had like built up this dream in my mind and so i had i like cold called the reception. I found like people's at, like names on LinkedIn and then just sent uh, my portfolio to their office, like literally by mail um, and just did whatever I could to get on their radar. And then I got a call one day from the editor there and was like, hey, we've got an internship program. I can see that you're really bloody interested. Want to come in for an interview? And so, yeah, I started as an intern there, did that semester and then was hired off the back of that to be their weekend editor. Um, And that was fun. That was like a short little stint because they then, uh, COVID happened and they cut all their funding to the weekend team. So that was (laughs) a devastating blow. But then yeah, other publications like the AU Review, uh, the Brag, who do like Rolling Stone, Tone Deaf, Don't Bore Us, all those sort of publications, that's all through freelance. So that was just, you know, hitting up editors with um, a portfolio of my work and telling them a bit about myself and if they have pieces that they need writing and then symbiotically like um, pitching stuff back. So it's great, but it's also, you know, as freelancing goes, there's a lot of unpaid meetings. There's a lot of prep that you have to do to pitch to hopefully get the sign off from somewhere else. Um, and annoyingly in music journalism, most of it's unpaid, which is something that should be changed because it does take up a lot of time. So, um, yeah, it's something that you need to supplement, but at the end of the day, it's what I fucking love to do. So I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but. (laughs) You know
0: what? We're going to go express post. You send it, you, you say what I can send
1: it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. It's, it's been such a blessing um, to be able to write for those brands and is something, yeah, that definitely derives from passion. So if you're looking to get into it, make sure your heart's in the right place. You want it to do it because you love to do it rather than um, the clout. You know, it's it's good. It's good
0: you, heard it you, you heard it here first, folks. And that was one question I was going to ask you later, but you covered it. Like some of the people I've interviewed in the entertainment industry, they'll say the same thing. You want it back yourself, try and spin many plates, throw, see what sticks at the wall and go Exactly.
1: And that's how I've curated the Swiss army knife lifestyle. Like you can't wear one hat nowadays. And also because like a lot of my content is video based. Um, so I've learned to be like a self-produced, um, which is difficult in itself because I'll be doing interviews while producing the interviews in the back of my mind, obviously as you're doing right now as well. Um, but that has got gotten me work as a producer for other talent i edit all of my own videos i shoot all of my own videos do all my own sound do all my own scripting, research, like the full 360. So it's nice that you can be a one-man band and not have to um, contract other people all the time. Um, And then if people need individualized skill sets, you've already curated it. So actually I liken it to Tim Minchin, who I've interviewed and it's been one of my favorite interviews. Like he, when he was in university, he was writing scores, he was um, writing musicals and like, I think he was doing stuff for like, the Shakespeare Company over in Western Australia writing scores for some of their plays, and then yeah, curating musicals and obviously doing a stand-up show. So by the time people came around, were just like, "Hey, Tim, do you reckon you could write a musical for Matilda?" He was like, "Here are twelve musicals I've already written," and people didn't know about it. Like just having these things up your sleeve, so that when you get these sick opportunities, you've already done your test runs and like aren't afraid to fail. Um, yeah. I want to be more like Tim Minchin, essentially. <laughs>
0: yeah, good on you. I, I just, I actually was watching that interview last night. Um, just as I, oh no way. I actually, yeah, nice. I was on, I was on lunchtime and I had a little dinner time then. I was having a quick look, and uh, Canvas Bags always flows into my head. One of his greatest songs, I think. But yeah, if you're a creative like yourself, you know, always creating and mm. and every podcast I listen to for the pop culture ones they always say create 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 you know put things yeah. against the wall and see where, you, where you're going and, and Tim's obviously gone from strength to strength with his long illustrious sorry his long illustrious career and you know good on you know like it's good to see that you, you're chasing your passions and for people like myself you know it, it makes it easy because if you're I, I hear you I hear passion I hear you know you're backing yourself you know the only person that can be happy with Tate is Tate herself and mm. you know what I mean like if you're backing yourself and doing your thing then the world is your always and I commend you
1: thank you so much that's really kind but yeah it's one of those sentiments where it's like you know creative industries is naturally an indulgent career but it's one of those careers where you do need to be your number one fan otherwise no one else is going to believe in you right like you have to market yourself so if you've um yeah if there's hesitation you've got to really build yourself up so as one of those things that I think Social media definitely paralyzes nowadays of people being afraid to try new things because they're not going to be perfect at the beginning. And that's something that I've always had to learn to break down too of like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. It's not going to be perfect the first time. And you're just going to become better at it rather than just like, having an expectation of being great at the beginning. Um, that's also another thing that we should definitely debug. So
0: Definitely. Um, I'm one, of, one of the people sort of I really, really, really aspire to be, or not aspire to be, but sort of really, really, really follow is Kevin Smith. Like he backed himself. Hmm. He backed out, maxed out all of his credit cards in the 90s to make his film Clerks, and then from there backed himself again, and then it's just been make a break, and every time he's sort of come out on top. So, you know, if that's not an inspirational story right there, I don't know what is. Um, yeah. And you've just answered my next four questions, so this is going swimming. Oh my gosh! Oh my um, you gosh. spoke about. I was going to ask you about like um, some of the interviews that you've done. your work in television, which we can top. We can we can talk about briefly in a moment. But mm. with all of your time on screen, as you mentioned, is it is it a talent that you knew you had from the start, or was it something that you had to work on? Were you ever camera shy, or did you always love the idea of? entertaining and uh, being on screen and making a presence for yourself? When did you discover that talent?
1: That is a great question Um, because I think it's not a super easy answer. Like as a kid, I was always doing like dance classes and like putting on plays for my parents. But then also I can remember my parents being like, you should do this for the neighbors. I mean, getting like shit scared and not wanting to do that. Um, But then in high school, I was definitely one of those drama kids. I like didn't do drama during junior high school, but then senior high school picked it up and was like doing drama camps and like all of my close friends, I'd met through those inroads. Um, And then I graduated high school being like, I wanna be an actor. And then I went and studied drama for like one year. And I realized that I'm actually a really shit actor and I'm way better at being myself. (laughs) And I was like, I like love talking to people and I love being me more than I like playing a character. I was like, that is a that is a career. That is presenting. That is, um, yeah, doing what I currently do. So I threw myself more into that. I don't know. I've always been confident. I'm a Leo. So, you know, um, love to perform. Love it. to hold a room. But, yeah, I don't know. It's something that I can definitely remember as a child being scared, but then also always having a flair for creativity and putting on performances and creating plays and even, like, creating movies, like little home movies with, like iMovie, and then there was also an editing software that I think I got in like Nutrigrain once. Um, they had like a there was like a music editing software, like music production software, but then there was also like a video one. Um, and then there was also like a Zoo Tycoon or some like random ass game. Um, but yeah, I jeez, can remember going, like using that's going yeah.
0: back jeez I remember Age of Empires one was in. Oh yeah,
1: my god, yes, <laughs> totally. Again, these niche memories. I I can give you some proper deep cuts for sure. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, but. I think I've always had that flair for creativity and storytelling. So, yep. yeah. Well, that's why
0: that's why I do this podcast because it's about storytelling. Mm, like I totally. just come on, crack a few puns, you know, and try and make it as easy for the guest. And I used to play, I still play video games now, but what I get, what I obsess with is, you know, like what's, what's considered like canon. Like I love stories. Like I'll watch the Lord of the Rings movies and then read the book and then want to know more about the law. So then I'll start deep diving on like, we uh, get into the
1: full world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like,
0: I, one, I'm a nerd. I'm okay with it. And two, I think it's important to have fandoms, to have that escapism and that nostalgic mm. feeling makes me feel like when I'm a kid again. And th- that's, that's not a bad thing. Like, I can take that positive mindset out into the world, crack shitty puns and carry on like an absolute pleb. Then I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally. But adults should learn to like, um, capture that playfulness. Like, as a child, we learned to have that inner child that play, like, there's quite literally a drama term of um you just go and play you know and i think we need to do more to curate that because you're right there are so many people who lose that spark when they get older and i love bringing that spark back to people and i can see that you obviously do the same and it's something that i think we should normalize normalize nerds normalize the inner child yeah preaching it preaching to the choir
0: oh i you know what you're speaking my language stop <laughs> dropping an old tight you're on fire <laughs> <laughs> So just talking about your on-screen presence and um, mm. obviously been, you're, you're an incredible interviewer. You make people, you make the guests feel welcome and you have this unique style of getting information out of people, which is, I, I found like refreshing to see, because a lot of interviews you see like a force read off palm cards or whatever, and it's just yeah. like, well, what are we doing here? But you have this fora about you that just, radiates warmth and you you create a natural environment for people so i'm sure i can say on behalf of many of your your viewers thanks for making the content we all enjoy what you what you're doing um thank you that's all right i wanted to ask you as well um in terms of like your on-screen interviews and the multiple multitude of people like tim mentioned you've interviewed is there a particular interview or interviews that you've done that stand out and is there a cool story that goes with them
1: um Great question again. There's so many interviews that I've been stoked with, whether that's just me being, I think a lot of my interviews, I should start, um, come from a fan first perspective in that like a lot of the people I get to chat to, I was a fan before I got to become, you know, in a professional sense work with them. And I think that's what drives a lot of this like hunger to find new information and not recreate whatever I can already find on the Internet and is quite a driver like a lot of my interviews, I spent hours scouring the Internet like honestly everyone that I've interviewed. I swear to God, I found their mom, sister's Facebook or like their early SoundClouds that are under like 12 different names. And it's something that I'm like, obviously, because I have like an obsessive nature, it's definitely something that drives that. But in terms of my favorite interviews, I'm a huge Glass Animals fan. Oh, love to love Glass Animals. Yeah. Oh, my God. chatting to Dave Bailey, the lead singer of that band was like a dream come true wavy Davy, and we had a really great chat where um i think we equally walked away being like oh, i'm stoked and that was also during the pandemic like depths of lockdown and just having that breath of fresh air being like this is so cool that i get to connect with some of my favorite artists um again from my bedroom in sydney while they're creating literally what's now my favorite album of all time um and we like discussed like the meanings of his recent dreams and like all this sort of stuff i'm not really a big astrology girl despite me having mentioned that i was a leo um, <laughs> but like things like that where i'm just like this is so interesting and then other interviews there's just other like really cool ones where in hindsight, I think they were way more dope than what I realized at the time. Like, for example, I was the Kid Leroy's first ever red carpet interview. And that was That's cool. the That's Aria's. Cool time to find. Yeah, totally. It, annoyingly, the audio on that interview is absolutely trash. Um, but the visuals are great. And yeah, <laughs> that would have been 2018. It was his first red carpet at the Arias. It was also my first red carpet. And he had come third in Triple J's Hot, uh, tie Um um, and so no one was grabbing him for interviews because he was just a runner up and yep. no one really knew who he was. And I was like, oh, I've got time. Kid right, come on through. And we just had like a chat about, you know, how's your first award show going? Like blah, 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 blah. And now obviously that he's had absolute world domination. And as an indigenous person myself, like seeing him like dominate is just mad. Like having someone from the mob on a global scale promoting our culture is huge and to be able to have that claim of being like you know what i knew that kid when he was really young and no one else was grabbing him from interviews is really cool so that's i'm cool. never shying away from like upping the upcomers you know like yeah. that's that's the grassroots of it all but i don't know there's heaps of interviews to be fair i love everyone i interview so it's hard to pick a favorite
0: fair enough Well, i was lucky enough to interview Another former Triple J on Earth high winner, Greta Ray, uh, late last year. Um, oh, love she was that. super sweet, super charming. Uh, they, she spoke about um, when Matt and Alex went to a school and surprised her and she's gone from strength to strength. And I love seeing, mm-hmm. like, like seeing people succeed and we spoke about her – her latest album and during COVID and like, it was, you, you just told us a story similar to what I, you know, during COVID I was, I, w- I did shift work. Like I was working in Hunter Valley on night shift at the time and you come home, I couldn't see anyone cause I, w- I lived in the LGA by myself with no friends or family in the same one. So I couldn't visit. Wow, That so was pretty lonely. And you know, this year project started through it and you know, if it wasn't for zoom or whatever, I probably would have gone crazy. But um, it's good to hear that you were able to sort of keep busy and keep keep creating and doing what you're doing. And it was during COVID that you were able to to create the Tate Night Show. Is that right? Is that where yeah. that where it all started for you? So that can you is, just give yeah. us a, like a genesis of the Tate Night Show and talk about what it's about and sort of some of the totally. guests in that are on? And yeah, that'd be good. Please.
1: Yeah. So I can remember this would have been the first lockdown for Sydney uh, back in 2020. And right before that, lockdown I had like this great momentum I really felt like life was going my way and I had this like this canon of work coming up that I was really stoked on and presenting is kind of my priority right like it's something that I love to do and I had some really great gigs lined up and then the pandemic happened and all of them got axed and at the time I was working I was writing for MTV as we talked about I was doing um, television production I was working at um, the Hit Network as well and like all of my jobs got canned and I was like oh my god Good but what am I gonna do for my presenting portfolio? Like, I wanna keep that going. And I remember it being like, maybe the second week of lockdown. And I was sitting on my lounge room floor with my housemates and one of them was like, oh God, apparently this is going on for another three months. And I was like, do you reckon that's legit? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, three months. And I was like, holy crap, there's all these people who are using social media at home more than they ever have in their entire life. There's this captive audience just waiting there. And all I wanna do is speak to an audience and i was like okay well maybe this is time and i'd had the tate night show rolling around in my head because i would love to be a late night show host one day where are the female late night show hosts as a sidebar maybe that's my bitch with mitch next time oh, but shit, yeah.
0: you coming back shit. Hell yeah yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll do the episode two um yeah and i was like all right dope and so within like i think that was a friday and then i um Jumped onto Amazon, like ordered a ring light and like uh, got that express delivered. And then by the Monday, I had launched The Tate Night Show and like built a filter on Instagram and like um, bo- booked in some guests. And the first iteration of The Tate Night Show was a weekly um, interview show with music, um, interviews, games, and it would be like two musicians and then two other people. So I think my first episode was, um, Tide Levi, who's of Savant's brother, um, Brie Thomasell, who is a Kiwi creator. Oh no, she's an Aussie creator based in New Zealand and now hosts, um, what's that show over there? something like Treasure Island now. And then Lily Vandermeer, who was on Neighbours, and Odette. And so I had them on and it was like interviews, games, it went really well. And then after a while I was like, actually, I kind of just want this to be musicians because that's my bag. That's who I am like interacting with more. And so then it moved into like a weekly show um, at 8 PM on Tuesdays, um, the wrong. This the is tell you, it's all about the branding and yeah, it'd be four chats back to back. And it was really good. Cause obviously at the time that was my first time doing Instagram live and it was actually really hard, like to be able to do the tech, invite guests in, know about your questions, facilitate performances while also interacting with the comments and all that sort of stuff there's a lot of things going on at once and it was really good to practice this live interviewing skill and presenting figuring out what the dead space was between interviews it was hectic but it was such a great learning curve because I was doing initially it was like four interviews back to back every week I'd be doing heaps of prep in in the lead up and then yeah and then a live show and it, it built out to the season finale I think I had like Kate Miller-Heidke and, like, Nina Geraci and stuff. Um, and then I did a second season, which was twice a week of these interviews of four. And, yeah, it was sick. It was nice to have my own product. It actually got picked up for pilot by a production company during awesome. the lockdown, which was crazy. And that was my first experience of, like, engaging an entertainment lawyer and figuring out how to produce a show and, like, build out a team and all that sort of stuff. Granted, the contract for the pilot was horrific. They were, like... I actually don't know what I'm allowed to disclose, but I guess we're not really talking too much of the specifics or the identity of the production company. Um, but it was like they would own the Tate Night Show from now into perpetuity in every territory of the world. And I was like, well, this is my name and this brand. This doesn't feel great. Um, so yeah, definitely left that one to die. But anyway, if anyone wants to workshop the Tate Night Show with me, happy to scale it up, looking to. Um, but yeah, it was such a great, great experience. And I definitely... Promote anyone who has a product in mind to just go out and make it. Cause my first couple shows were crap. Like, holy <laughs> shit! Like, absolutely embarrassing. I can remember Tide Levi being one of my first guests, and my like, um, the stand that I had my phone on kept tipping, and then like his audio cut out for some reason, and he was just like, "My whole family's at home watching this right now," and I was like, "Oh my god, Troy Savan's watching this right now." I was like, "Oh god," I was like, I- "I'm so bad." Anyway, I was stressed, but um. Luckily, we're mates, so I was like, this is good. (laughs) And it was also really nice to be able to learn how to book artists and pitch and do follow-up content and learn how to promote a show. It was like doing stories every day and figuring out new ways to um, improve graphics and play with functionalities on lives and yeah. Great learning curve.
0: That's cool. So coming to a future Tate near you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not near you, but around you. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a pitchy with Mitchy, everyone. Well
1: <laughs> yeah, pitchy with Mitchy, right. Man, if you want some pitches, I've got, I've got them out the wazoo. Holy oh, crap. Oh, shit,
0: yeah. Always bring on the pictures. I love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I will include links to your socials underneath, including your Insta and stuff. And also, just before we hit the record button, you actually mentioned you are working on a project coming up. Tell us about that.
1: Totally. Yeah, so I'm playing with a new concept called Date with Tate, which is another thing that I've been ruminating on for years. And it's one of those things where I'm like, God, just get out and create it. What are you doing? Um, And... It's an interview style, but it's a fully leaned in date. So you might've seen something like chicken shop dates with Amelia de Moldenberg popping off online. Amazing for her. Annoyingly I've been sitting on date with Tate for years and I was like, Oh my God, no, it looks like I'm stealing this, but I'm not. Um, it's like a, it's a date instead of an awkward vibe, you want sparks to fly and, mm-hmm. um, the cut downs are like very short form, uh, like one minute edits. Um, yeah, with artists, but it's also something that I would love to build out to have, you know, tourism companies jump in on like, you know, if Tourism Paris was like, let's do a date with Tate with you and Harry Styles, and then they take us to the best spots in Paris and you can do it like a travel show or something like that, you know, has yeah. a lot of... um brand opportunity but yeah so the first episode of that will come out next friday with baby no money which will be a lot of fun because um, his album bag or die drops on the 21st yep. as does our first date so everyone will have to stay tuned for that and That's exciting. it's it's really great except it was the first date and it was meant to be like a 10 minute shoot after his sound check and it ended up going for like 40 minutes he was late to his meet and greet um and at the start of the date he was on my date and i was actually really nervous i don't know why and then by the end of the date, i was on his date like i turned into an absolute simp and i'm really really (laughs) nervous to watch it back i have to edit it this weekend i'm like oh god (gasps) don't want to do that anyway so it should be fun it should be fun Um, that's cool yeah yeah a bit of a wild
0: one. I well, yeah, um I like the concept of that, I and mean, I've I've actually had a few dates out here. I'm not going to record any mm-hmm. of it, but it's been interesting. Uh, sort of getting to know some of the local. I'll, I'll relate to them as flora and fauna out here. <laughs> <laughs> some nice, some not so nice, but you know, it's it's what you do. Like you put yourself out there, and it's it's a scary concept dating totally. in this day and age with a you know with an access to apps and whatever else. I'm old school. I like to talk to people on the phone or these days of yeah. Facetime, and I don't know maybe it's i respect I raised, that but,
1: i don't know. love app culture i don't know if you're the same but it's one of those things where it's like it's so frustrating i don't know i find connection through conversation as well but you know i think it's created this toxicity of people always thinking that there's something better out there for than what you have in your current hand um i don't know i i have a problem with dating app culture i'm not really on them either but yeah at least Date with tape. it's a fun format and flexes the date skills. Dates are hard. I don't know how you are on first dates, at least I we're am. conversationalists.
0: I, oh, yeah, as a conversationalist, like it's good. And over the years, like I've, I've spoken to sexologists and, Um, people in their sex industry as well and you know Hmm. doing so you learn a lot about yourself so I learned things like what have you learned yeah so I've learned to back myself like I've been single now for about five or six years and you learn as and I was lived by myself during COVID I'm glad I went through that crucible because you learn what you love and I love things like I learned my love languages I learned what's important to me Um, Hmm. especially during shift work like I would miss out on a lot of things my friends would go and do. Like I had to work every second weekend. I was working away on night shift and all that stuff. And now I do seven-day blocks on, seven days off. So, um, you know, there are pros and cons to it, of course, but you learn what's important to you. So for me, like I, I could date someone who's kind, empathetic, um genuine all that sort of st- all those good things and at the same time you know if you know inside what you want then you could take that skill set to the date get through mm-hmm. the date and then i never say there and then oh, i don't feel it sorry i just go hey it was it was i had a great time this evening this is if i don't gel with the person i am um, i really had fun but just want to let you know that i don't i didn't feel that connection with you i wish you all the best because I think I, I think it's important to not waste yours or their time. Totally. Um, but if you totally. see if you see something there, that's great. For me, I'm attracted to emotional intelligence, someone who knows themselves, and someone who yeah, I don't know, like I don't really have a type, but if I gel with them and the vibes there, then hundred percent I'll buy that girl dinner every day of the week. Um,
1: <laughs> that's 100%. cute. I love how candid you are as well. I feel like that's really rare nowadays of people being straight up about their feelings and not wanting to mess people around and play games that just are excruciating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I,
0: I, I, I inboxed Matt and Alex on their podcast, and this is how I sort yeah. of got on their radar, and they set me up on a virtual date on Zoom, and a girl by the name of Poppy was chosen a few hundred people submitted their videos mm-hmm. or whatever and as we're on the on the date in pops osha i was like oh, oh wow, my hello. god <laughs> you're on
1: the bachelor yeah okay
0: oh it was oh, it would be called the bachelor if i was involved Dead set. <laughs> <laughs> but um, i'm not actually that bad but uh you know it was, it was interesting we actually met in real life after lockdown was finished because uh, i was in newcastle nice. where- and we went up to the Hunter Valley, had some lunch, but the vibe wasn't there. But that's okay because we put ourselves out there. We had a go. and Totally. Just, and
1: you met a new person.
0: 100%. And, hmm. and so, you know, if you're out there listening, if you're single or whatever, I'm always in the pursuit of happiness. So I get a buzz out of if I chase a girl and land her, then every day I try and make her smile, whether it's with a, a cheeky pun or a, a nice handwritten note or something like that i'm laying my name but you do you it you're you
1: romantic no it's so good i love uh, hearing that st- it gives it. me hope
0: oh. <laughs> i'm holding out 32 going strong <laughs>
1: hey you still got time everyone's got time that's uh. it
0: that's it but um i'm i'm pretty sure you have to wrap up shortly so if people want to find you um can you just give a shout out to where they can on your socials and stuff?
1: Yeah, totally. It's Tate McGregor, T-A-I-T McGregor. Um, I'm on Instagram at Tate McGregor, on TikTok at Uh Also on YouTube where you can catch my full catalog. And then uh, you can check out the full portfolio at TateMcGregor.com.au. Uh, Actually, no, I'm just TateMcGregor.com. No.au. dot au. I think I just went global for that URL. So there you go. Yeah, stalk me everywhere. Instead of just Google my name, it'll come up.
0: That's that just means that you've got aspirations to go global, and I for one.
1: Oh, you bet. You bet. I will.
0: I will I'm I'm on the launch platform. I'm ready to send it into orbit. You got this.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. I'll make sure to quote you as an early supporter.
0: <laughs> Back in the day I spoke of some bald gold miner who had a heart of gold as well. There you go. There's yeah, a title. Totally. There's the title of my autobiography.
1: <laughs> yes. I look forward to reading it.
0: <laughs> but I I know you you're a busy, busy person, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. Um I for people that come on and help me create this this quote unquote art. I call it, it's creativity, it's having fun. And I really, really do enjoy talking to people like yourself. It makes it all worthwhile. And yeah, just want to say thank you.
1: Thank you for having me on. It's very rare that I get um, interviewed. So yeah, it's been a really great experience. It's nice to kind of think about how I got to where I am and have a moment of reflection. I'm terrible at doing that. And also terrible at monologuing, as you can hear by all my ums and ahs, but
0: I, don't worry I appreciate that. the space. I'll just like, is it Tina? Turn, I'll pick you up, turn you around. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thanks again. And I'll, as I said, I'll link all of your socials in the bio. I'll link, the, I'll link some references to mental health help, like Beyond Blue and the Black Dog Institute and stuff. And mm. yeah, hopefully hope people that. get talk, start talking about it. And yeah, by all means. Everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now.